صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective. Good morning, Bruce and Brian. Welcome to Palestine Remembered. Hi. Good morning. Now, I can't believe the 14, or it's almost 15 years now that Palestine Remembered's been on 3CR, that neither of you have been on Palestine Remembered. How's that work? Uh, I think that's a question for you, Nasser. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe a question for Yusuf when he comes out of semi-retirement. Well, you know, you you did work there for a long time, Bruce. I thought you could have, you know, got yourself onto a show or two. But anyway... I worked there before Palestine Remembers. Well, you're giving away your age now, Bruce. <laughs> and, and I have to admit that we used to follow the Palestine program on Wednesday evenings for many years. So we would all, I can't remember what it was called then. It wasn't, that was before Yusuf, wasn't it? Palestine Voice. Palestine, Palestine Voice, Voice. Yes. yeah. And we'd always chat to those people who presented that program when we came on here at 10.30 on a Wednesday. Fantastic. Well, we've got to continually thank 3CR for giving a space for Palestine, but also for a space for so many other radical voices. So thank you, 3CR. If you're listening and you haven't subscribed, make sure you do subscribe because we are joined today by Radical Royalty. Brian and Bruce, welcome, boys. Thank you. Now, a question we ask everybody is their journey to Palestine. How did a couple of privilege-wearing white fellows end up being supporters of the Palestinian people? Well, I was, I have to admit, being a fairly late arrival to the cause. Um, Coming from, originally from New Zealand, where I was involved in the anti-war movement, the anti-apartheid movement, living in Britain and being involved in anti-racist stuff there, coming to Australia and in the late 80s and being quite involved in anti-racism and the black rights struggles here. And then through Bruce, just uh, coming to an understanding of this little part of the world called Palestine that was... um, in a bad way because of the way the rest of the world was treating it and then going to visit Palestine for the first time in 2014 which confirmed a view that it was a scene of gross injustice. And Bruce? I always had an interest in politics, Nasser. So, and a really strong sense of injustice, I think, especially from my mum. And uh, that quickly morphed when I left a country town and arrived in the big city, somewhat bewildered, into a great interest in liberation struggles. Uh, and so I was interested in what was happening in Africa. 
um, but also interested what was happening in Central America and in Palestine. And then I guess through my, uh, so I followed it as a sort of, you know, uh, observer. And then when I went to work at 3CR in 1989, uh, or before that, when I went to actually program, as we said, we followed Palestine Voice Program. So we got to know the Palestinian broadcasters really well. And they were always uh, amazing fun, even though obviously, you know, the situation was terrible. And uh, then, you know, when I became manager, I got to know them better. And then that sort of eventually morphed into a desire to actually go and see for myself or for ourselves what it was like. So we took ourselves off. uh, And like Brian, that completely cemented my commitment to Palestine. Both was two things, really. I mean, seeing the injustice firsthand and and it being boggling and stark um, and completely unconscionable. But also the generosity and and friendliness of the people that we came to meet. And it blew me away, really, to think that people who were getting such a a raw deal could be so humane and friendly to, you know, a couple of people who just popped in, as you say, from quite a privileged background. So that, that first trip for you, Bruce, was 2014 as well, right? Yeah. 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 And but that's not the only time you've been there last year in a normal sort of world pre-COVID world you decided to do a trek through Palestine we've done two treks Um, so 2017 we did a trek uh, which was to say sorry for the Belfort Declaration on the centenary of the Belfort Declaration which was a 10-day trek although a trek in that we went from one place we got driven to a place and then walked with a community up to another place and then got picked up and taken back somewhere to stay. Whereas the second trek we went last year was the... Nasser um, Ibrahim Trail. Which uh, we did half of. So from the very top, the north of Palestine, down one day's walk south of Jericho. Wow. So let's go back to the 2017 trek, which seems like a bit of a tourist job as opposed to the 2019 um, Indiana Jones style job. <laughs> The 2017 one sounds like you probably would have put on about five kilos each. (laughs) Quite possibly. (laughs) A half hour walk and then getting taken to somebody's house. I mean, the Palestinians, as you said, are the most gregarious. I can assure you. It was was sort of interesting, though, Nessa, because um, the first day we were there and people had actually walked from London to um, uh, Istanbul and then caught a a flight across to Amman and then walked in. So some people had walked a uh, ten thousand kilometres to get there. <laughs> and you walked from uh, the aeroplane to a bus. We we we, we joined in Jericho, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the uh, they put out a press release on the first night we were there, and uh, the local TV station came, uh, and then uh, it got picked up as a story. So we were pursued by the media. Um, the whole time we were there. And then uh, so we had sort of people sort of following us the whole time. And then, of course, every local council got to see the media. So every time we walked through a village, we had to have a civic reception with, you know, with food and drink and welcoming speeches and more welcoming speeches and return speeches. (laughs) (laughs) This, This was with 70 other people. So it wasn't just us. 
Okay. Well, I thought perhaps they thought you guys had walked from Australia, seeing as everybody else had walked from London, <laughs> and you're a novelty. But that sounds like a that sounds like a ten kilogram trip, not a five kilogram trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fast turning into that, and it eventually resulted in an invitation from the president to come for lunch. Did you grace him with your presence? The whole seventy of us graced him with our presence. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, we were we it was hilarious really because the uh, the food came around and we thought this is pretty posh you know because we'd been being fed in refugee camps and freedom camps and stuff very nice food but you know basic food um, so we hoed in to this food thinking this is this is the best food we'll have for a while and then we realised when the main course came that all we'd got so far was entree but we're all full. <laughs> The grazing plates. Yeah, that's that's a that's a rookie mistake, guys. That's a rookie mistake. Yeah, when, when, when the grazing plates come out, just just go light, just hold on because the meat's coming. It it is not uncommon for um for, for non pallos to get sucked in on the uh, grazing plates. <laughs> Hi, Man's here from the Japarong Embassy. On October the 26th, after two and a half years of defending sacred women's country, the Embassy, family, friends and supporters were forcibly removed from country by Victoria Police. The Andrews State Government, alongside Major Roads Projects Victoria, have begun their violent attack to desecrate the sovereign lands of the Japarong to make way for the duplication of the Western Highway between Buangor and Ararat. There are many old growth trees, one significant tree in particular, a 350-year-old yellow box gum, the Directions tree. She's a placenta tree who holds the DNA of the Japarong ancestors. She was felled by chainsaw at the hands of a government that is asking for a treaty with its first peoples. The embassy and its frontline protectors are calling out for your help. To find out more, including how to get to the embassy to help defend on the ground, visit the Japarong Heritage Protection Embassy's Facebook page. Educate yourself, donate to their chuff campaign, and spread the word. 3CR supports the Japarong Heritage Protection Embassy. No trees, no treaty. The 2019 trip, that was, you said, Brian, the Ibrahim Nasser Trail, was it? Yeah. And that's, that's a trail that they've developed that runs right from the very north of the occupied territories down to the south. Um, and they've sort of developed it, I guess, like a Camino where okay. there's accommodation and guides to, guides to take you on the journey and accommodation at the end of each night. Again, we were with a big group of people from this British organisation called the Amos Trust that does a lot of work in Palestine. And there were 30 odd of us. So we were much bigger than they usually had on a group. So we had two guides and stayed in a real range of accommodation from some really fantastic guest houses that they developed as part of the project to build the trekking sector. And but also in some fantastic homestays where we stayed with families and really spent an evening with families, um, enjoying their company, uh, which was incredible experience. And and their stories and every family we stayed with 
had made a real effort to drag the best English speaker in their extended family to be there um, to sort of um, enable conversation to take place, um, which was great. That's fantastic. So do you know the Amos Trust, are they doing that as a regular thing? So, I mean, we might put that link in the in the podcast so that people might want to look up. They do a whole range. They, they run aid programs in Palestine and particularly in Gaza, but they also do a range of sort of tourist activities where they do walking trips, they do cooking trips, they do introduction to Palestine trips, um, mainly do, for British people. And they do house rebuilds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You can raise money and then go and build, rebuild someone's house. Yeah. Very cool. They're a good organisation. Yeah. yeah. They sound great. Yeah. Now, when did you guys... Well, I know, I know the Kufir story. You guys, 3CR, regular listeners of 3CR will know that you can buy Palestinian-made kefirs in the last remaining kefir factory in Palestine, in Hebron, that you guys are the brains and the organisation and the muscle behind that initiative. How did you come to that? It was, that, that was, I mean, we came back from our trip in 2014 feeling extremely passionate and wondering what in the hell we were going to do. And... Uh, very late in that trip in Ramallah, we went to a cafe which had a little gift shop and we bought some kefirs. And um, when we got back and sort of, you know, gave out our presents and stuff and then we thought, oh, well, maybe we could get some more of these. So we just reached out really to the factory and after some, you know, bad attempts at trying to sort of communicate in Arabic and uh Stuff. We eventually managed to do some uh, effective communication and imported our first carton of kafirs. Then, of course, we had to think about what we we're going to do with them. So then we started, you know, looking for all the local events to sort of sell them at and, you know, posting it on um, Facebook and doing sort of a bit of basic sort of publicity. So that's really where it came from. And, and, and we were sort of like, I guess, surprised and delighted about how, you know, that has been sort of like an ongoing market. Not, you know, we're a very tiny organisation and stuff, but we regularly sell and we do it completely as a fundraiser. So all the profits we donate to either organisations doing work on the ground in Palestine or a couple of uh, local solidarity organisations. You say it's a little bit, I think you're underselling yourselves. You've sent back over $15,000. I mean, that's no small amount of number when you consider, you know, kefirs are 20 to $40. Yeah. Loretta at 3CR has been really fantastic about um, taking them on board to be part of 3CR's on, online sales. And that's had a been where probably half of what we've sold in the last few years have come from. So all those fantastic people who are part of the 3CR community. Um, but, yeah, it's it keeps on keeping on. <laughs> the kefir has become, you know, was immortalised by the late President Arafat, but, at, you know, it was used by the Palestinians, you know, for thousands of years, most memorably in the Arab Revolt in the 30s, but then immortalised by... President Arafat in the United Nations and, you know, I think perhaps indelibly in 1982 in the evacuation from Lebanon, 
but it's become the symbol of resistance and solidarity the world over now, mm. would find it on an Indigenous activist in South America or, or a, an activist in the Congo, you know, who's protesting, whatever it might be, even seeking reparations from the Belgians, you know. So the kefir has... Yeah, and that's one of the things, Matthew, I think that's great about actually selling it because, I mean, it, it comes with as a political statement. Um, so, you know, you're doing, a, a, I guess, a, a commercial transaction, but you're doing a very political transaction, which also means that, you know, when you're out in public and, you know, selling them and stuff, you end up having the most amazing and interesting conversations with people. Um, around, you know, what their significance is and you find out that, you know, people who you thought may not know anything about Palestine are actually quite passionate about it. So it's it's been a real boom in terms of, uh, you know, a, a lucky choice, um, but, you know, it's turned out to be the right choice in terms of um, something that where you can actually fundraise but do it in a way which is sort of central to the, the actual basic struggle for justice. And, and I guess the other interesting thing about the Habawi factory in Hebron that produces the kefirs is that they led the way in producing them in a multitude of colours. So not only is the classic black and white kefir a symbol, but in, in many ways, many of the other colourways that they produce are equally symbols of Palestine. Many of them are named after cities in Palestine and so forth. And so it's not a matter of just being pure about wearing the black and white one. There are a range of different models that people can choose and wear in all sorts of ways. But again, they still remain a sort of symbol, a powerful symbol of Palestine. And I guess the other thing for me is that, you know, but because we're buying them, it actually is helping to keep the factory going. Um, and, you know, most kefirs in the world now are actually made in China, which is pretty tragic, really. But it sort of means not that, A, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a Palestinian product we're selling. Uh, it's keeping people employed. Uh, so, you know, that's, that adds a whole sort of another dimension to sort of the, you know, the viability of Palestine as a, as a, as a state, really, and as, as a ability to actually provide work for Palestinians. Yeah. And the last two times we actually went to the factory, so we bought them, you know, without having ever been to the factory, but the last two times we went to the factory, it was a fantastic experience on both occasions. Treated, you know, we, we've sold, you know, what, 1,700 kefirs over five years, we were treated as if we were coming to buy for Myers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it was just fabulous. And, and the factory itself, you know, it's, I, I don't know what years the, the looms date back to, but it's, it's very mechanical technology. So it's, you're in there and it's going clackety-clack, 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 but, you know, turning out these beautiful items and, uh, and, you know, people are incredibly proud about the product that they're producing and the quality is great. Mm. Well, yeah, they're actually involved in its resistance work and the mm -hmm. fact that people can buy uh, a symbol of resistance and participate in enabling the resistance to continue and the steadfastness of those Palestinian people 
through your organization is fantastic. And excitingly, in the past week, you've launched your new website. Yes. People can go on there. It's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S, kafirs.org.au, but I'll put that link in the podcast as well. And you've got like a shop, Bruce and Brian. <laughs> yes, it's taken a long time, but we've finally done it. And we've got what I think is a pretty reasonable website. It's got a couple of glitches still, but we're working on it um, with the help of some of our neighbours and particularly our next door neighbours who've done a lot of the work for us. But already we, it only went up on Monday of this week and we've already had some sales from various parts of the country and hopefully from Aotearoa New Zealand as well. So hopefully that's going to expand the market, as you call it, to raise more money to give to organisations like Afida and APAN and support the struggle. No, it's brilliant. And look, we'll put that link in the podcast, but you should go because there's so many different colours. And I mean, I'm a Palestinian, I'm a traditional black and white type. I mean, I wear dad's one. But there's some very, very cool ones here. I'm, you know, as you know, I'm a style master, gentlemen, and uh, there's a couple here that I reckon might bring out the bluish hues in my eyes. <laughs> I have to admit that I, my favourite is the pure white one. Okay. The, I think the, I mean, the black one seems very suited to Melbourne, the pure black. Uh, but there's the rainbow one, um, and uh, there's a range of colours. They're gorgeous. They're truly gorgeous. How about that Nazareth blue? That's a gorgeous one. Mm. Yeah, Love them all. Love them all. Congratulations, <laughs> gentlemen. This podcast was not produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio, but rather under a kitchen table using a doona as soundproofing. But that doesn't mean the station no longer needs your financial support to stay on air. Our community is not just studios and microphones. It's people. People like yourself, who during COVID-19 value independent community information and creativity more than ever. So, we're counting on you to keep us on air. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate and please support our June Station Appeal. Stay safe and thank you for your support. Now, we've only, we're going to go for a few more minutes. Free Palestine, Melbourne. That's a, um, you've done a power of work with that in a year, launched in a year that ended up being COVID, ended up being virtual and we finished with a, a lunch on the weekend. Yeah, so it's been good. You know, there's a, we, there wasn't a sort of like grassroots solidarity group and um, in really, Melbourne. In Melbourne. Um, and so there was, you know, a, a push, uh, a suggestion from APAN that uh, it would be a good idea to start one. And so we called a meeting uh, by you know tapping into our networks and we had a fabulous response uh, and you know there's a core group of 20 odd people who attend meetings and organize events and stuff and the level of enthusiasm has been fantastic and you know we're um, so we've had some really fabulous online events with three or four hundred people uh, attending those events um, and really being able to tap into, uh, you know, some of the big issues, you know, around annexation, around what's happening in Gaza. So it's been, um, and in some ways, you know, if we would have been doing events locally, 
to a Melbourne audience, which is great. Um, but because they've been online, of course, we've been able to actually tap into a whole range of people uh, from Palestine, from other parts of the world, Palestinians from other parts of the world, uh, and have a bigger audience in terms of actually having people from right across Australia who are tuning in and sharing that information. So for most of the year, and there's been a number of you know, solidarity groups who've been doing stuff online, there's been a really vibrant list of events and discussions and thought-provoking stuff that's been actually happening. Um, then I think it's really... Uh, and I think it came out on Saturday, you know, the sense of solidarity in the group from have actually having done stuff uh, and done stuff that felt meaningful um, and, you know, expanded our horizons. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been a very positive experience. And again, I think it's that sort of thing that there is a lot of, there's a lot more uh, empathy and support for Palestine out there than we are sometimes led to believe. And, you know, just creating the opportunity meant that people came together and have really sort of, you know, turned it into a, quite a vibrant little organisation. That's brilliant. And people can join Free Palestine Melbourne fairly easily through your website. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. we'll, put, we'll put the link to that in the podcast as well. So you can go there after the show's broadcast to see the link to Free Palestine Melbourne and their website, to the Amos Trust, and most importantly, everyone, to go to kafirs.org.au and buy your Christmas presents because we might have a chance to get those out before Chrissy if it goes this weekend. Yeah, I'm very good at posting them. Um, <laughs> uh, is Australia Post any good at getting them out in time, do you think? That's the other question that we're not so sure of, um, but we do our best. Well, isn't marketing one on one to make sure you're ready before, well before Christmas, but we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're ready for Christmas 21. Yes, they will certainly be ready for that. And the other, the other thing you, people must understand is that because we're a little tin pot organisation with no resources, um, we don't have vast stocks, so we do run out of particular ones from time to time. So don't be too disappointed if we haven't got it. But well, that's, that's why people should get on straight away. That's why there's a call to action there, Brian. That's why people have got to get on straight away and order what's there because stocks won't last. That's right. <laughs> and we can buy some more. على عهد على ديني على أرض تلاقيني أنا لأهلي أنا فديهم أنا دمي فلسطيني 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 أنا دمي فلسطيني
أنا دم فلسطيني على أرضي تلاقيني أنا دم فلسطيني 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 أنا دم فلسطيني That's one of my very favorite songs دم فلسطيني My blood is Palestinian Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking to you both. And we've got, to, we've got to end with one of those ads, you know, go Brian, go Bruce, go Brian, go Bruce. I was trying to mimic the Harvey Norman ad, just didn't really work. <laughs> yeah, your names don't work. <laughs> go Brian, yeah. go Bruce. Well done, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us today on Palestine Remembered. Thank you for all that you do. It's been a pleasure speaking to you and it's an honour to call you both friends. Thanks, Nessa. Thanks, Nessa. And don't forget... Share the podcast, tell your friends, and there's never been a better time for a free Palestine.